I want to welcome everybody here this afternoon as we celebrate Evelyn's life and give thanks to God for her and remember her. And uh, she was a special woman, and we miss her uh, greatly. But we know that she is with her Lord and Savior. And as we'll consider in a few moments from God's Word, every, every tear has been wiped away from our dear sister's face. And we can take great joy in that, and great comfort in that. And certainly Eric and Mark and the family are glad that you're here and welcome you all here as well in our church, Amazing Grace. My name is Adam Davies. I was the pastor here during Evelyn's time, and uh, so that's why I'll be leading today's service. Well, let's open our time in prayer, and then uh, we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be gathered this afternoon to give thanks to you, Lord, for this life that you have given and for the privilege of knowing Evelyn Peppers, for the blessing she was to each of us, for her faith in her Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, as we remember that, Lord, and as we're encouraged to continue to believe, Lord, or maybe even today, to begin to believe upon the Lord that we might be saved. We pray that everything we do this afternoon would bring you much glory and honor, that everything would be done to your praise. And we pray for your help, for the ministry and comfort of the Holy Spirit, for grace, O Lord, to those who grieve. And we pray that we would not be as those who grieve without hope, for we know, Lord, where our sister is, and we know that precious in your sight is the death of your saints. And we thank you for the promises we have in your word that this is not the last chapter, that one day Evelyn will be raised from the dead with a resurrected, glorious, imperishable body, Lord. And we thank you for that hope you've given those who believe in Christ. Oh God, we just, just give you the thanks and the glory today and pray for help and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say that we're recording today's service, so for those who couldn't be here, we'll be sure, especially uh, the church and other family members, if others you, may, you know who may be interested in hearing uh, today's services, uh, we will have that recorded and we can make copies of that for you. It is not being broadcast over the telephone. We have been in the habit of doing that for our services, but we're not doing that this afternoon. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. 
Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is a passage that speaks of future days when God will come back and judge every single human being and bring a new age in in which righteousness will dwell, but an age in which there will be no more death and there will be no more pain, disease, suffering, and crying. And we can't imagine a world like that, can we? A world without death and pain and suffering. It's important to understand, as we'll see in a few minutes, that God did not create the world with those things in it. That death and pain and suffering and mourning came in because of sin. But Jesus Christ came into the world to redeem us from sin, to save us from sin, to take away sin. And because He was successful in that mission, all who believe in Him have this hope of a future in which there'll be no more death, no more pain, suffering, or disease. That's an amazing hope to hold out to this hopeless world. And I know our sister Evelyn Peppers would want us to dwell upon that and would want us to preach that to those maybe who are here, her loved ones, family, friends, maybe some in the church who don't have this hope yet, that through faith in Christ you would be given this hope and this future experience. Some of the things spoken of in this passage, Evelyn is right now experiencing. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to, to tell you about this passage and read this passage. My friends, though she may have cried and mourned in this life, especially in the last few years of her life, she is not crying. She is not mourning. All of our sister's pain, all of your mom's pain, your friend's pain, your aunt, your grandmother's pain has been taken away. And she is in fullness of joy in the presence of her Savior. And if given the choice to come back, I'm sorry, friends, I know we miss her, but she wouldn't want to come back. So we take comfort in that, don't we? And we're reminded about her experience currently because one day it will be all of ours who believe in the Lord Jesus. And we're saying to you who do not believe yet, turn from your sin, believe in Christ, and the blessed promises in God's Word, just a little sample of which we've read a few minutes ago, can be yours as well. Let's again continue to sing uh, uh, hymns of praise by using 599 in the blue hymnal, the sands of time, 599 in the blue hymnal. Would you stand with me again as we sing this hymn? The sands of time are sinking, the dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, 
But day spring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The King there in his beauty, without a veil is seen. It were a well spent journey. Oh, seven deaths lay between the Lamb with His fair army doth on Mount Zion stand and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's Lamb. Oh, Christ, He is the fountain the deep sweet well of love the streams on earth i've tasted more deep i'll drink above there to an ocean fullness his mercy doth expand and glory glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land, the bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace, not at the crown he gifted. Said hand, the Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to open up a little bit of the truths of God's Word for our encouragement and our help and our hope. And then uh, we're going to pray, and then there will be a time for you dear people to share your memories of our sister, and I hope you will do that so we can hear uh, the impact she's had upon your life, those memories that you have of her. It's always a blessing. I feel like uh, the picture of someone's life gets, gets painted even more fully when we can hear from others uh, about her. So please know that you'll have a time to do that in a few minutes. Mrs. Peffers, Evelyn will be dearly missed and, and was greatly loved. She came to our church after moving upstate to her apartment in Athens. I remember her telling me what kind of church she was looking for when she moved upstate. And she would say this again and again, just marveling at God's grace and direction in her life. She'd say, Pastor, with that Swiss German accent, I was looking for a big church with an organ player. And I ended up in a small church with no organ, pianist, or, or any musical accompaniment. And then she would get that serious and sincere look in her eye and in her face. That look that we miss. And she would say, but I'm so happy and thankful to be here. I love And this church loved her. 
We only enjoyed a few years with, with Evelyn, unlike her loving family, some of whom are here today with us. Uh, the Lord, however, knew we needed her here to encourage us and, and to help us. What an impact she made upon us in the last few years of her life. And what a blessing. And it's an encouragement to us all as we think of our own life and as we think of those years that we're coming into, some of us may be into them already, where we're older, we're among the older people in the congregation or community. Age does not take away the Lord's ability to use you for the good of other people, for God's people, and for their encouragement. Don't ever forget that. Sometimes we can think, what can I do for the kingdom? You can do a lot, as evidenced by our sister. And by the pain we feel at, at her loss, we rejoice at where she's, she is, but we, we've suffered loss here in this church, and certainly her family feels that too. She was a woman who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation. She saw herself as a needy sinner. As pastor reminds us almost weekly, Christianity isn't a religion for good people. It's a religion for bad people, for sinners who deserve to go to hell. She saw herself in that light, but saved by the grace and power of God. She wasn't always a Christian, as none of us were always Christians, and she told us of her life and of her sin before the Lord mercifully forgave her and saved her and brought her to Himself. She knew the real, supernatural, active, saving grace of God in her life. One example she shared with me, and I'm sure others, is after years of, of smoking cigarettes and being addicted, she told us she was hearing a Bible message on TV preached by Joyce Meyer. Many people know who she is. At the end of the message, and this is, of course, from my own memory, I don't remember every word, but this is the gist of it. Joyce said at the end of the message, I believe there are people listening today suffering from addiction to cigarettes God is able to set you free from that. And I don't remember all the details of, of what Evelyn did in response or what the specific words of Joyce were, but Evelyn said she prayed to the Lord for help and from that day forward never smoked again. That is evidence of the real, supernatural, active, saving power and grace of God doesn't just wash you and save you and forgive you of sin. He delivers you from sin's power. And we know how powerful sinful addictions can be. Addictions that, that hurt you. Very tough. Even though we know they hurt us, we can't break ourselves free. God evidenced in Evelyn's history and life that, that He is able to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And she loved to tell that story of God's power in her own life. 
She loved her family and spoke of her sons, her daughter-in-law, her grandson all the time. We got to see Big Will when he was little Will. He spent time with my son and Evelyn would, would always want her grandson to have a great time when he came to visit Grandma. So she would come and say, Pastor, can, can you, think, you think Caleb might you know, come with Will so that it's not just his grandmother and him, but he could have someone, a companion his age, to really enjoy it. And we have pictures, and my son Caleb was able to spend time with Will and, and with Mrs. Peppers. And the point is she was thoughtful to make sure her grandson had a great time when he came upstate to see Grandma. And, and from the pictures, they, they had a great time. And she would want to do things that no doubt were difficult for her. Go to the action parks and go to all the things that she knew he would enjoy, right? And here she would be with uh, Caleb and Will, taking them through those parks and, and making sure her grandson had a great time. One of the conversations I remember having with Evelyn was about her mother's battle with Alzheimer's at the end of her life. Heavenly witnessed it. From time to time, she would tell me about something that she forgot in her daily life and how it made her concerned because she didn't want to go through what her mom did. I want to read from Psalm 23 for you this morning. Psalm 23 says this, psalm written by David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The writer compares his life in this to, to that of a sheep. He sees himself as a sheep and the Lord God of heaven as His shepherd. And David lived with a sense that God was with him every day of his life, watching over him to protect him and leading him where he could find food and drink, just like a shepherd does for the sheep. Food and drink not just for his body physically, but for his soul. Help for his heart. Peace for his soul in times of trouble and difficulty. When he feared his life being taken by King Saul and by enemies in battle. When you read about David in the Bible, you understand this psalm better. Before he was recognized as the current king of Israel, who would be deposed, wanted him dead. David had to run for his life. 
And he lived, as he speaks of in the psalm, in the valley of the shadow of death. Think about and imagine with me what it would be like to be a marked man, to have the mob or something, have a hit out on you. And at every corner and every street, every time you got in your car, you looked in the back seat. Is this going to be my last day? Living as someone hunted. Living as someone you knew others wanted dead and gone, and they had the power and authority to make it happen. Like that's living in the valley of the shadow of death, where death could be imminent and real. Not fictitious, not in a part of your imagination, but a real threat. This is where David lived his life, part of his life. And he speaks of what that was experience is like. What would that be like for us? You would be fearful. You'd be tempted to be anxious. You'd be worried. You'd be unsettled in your soul, in your heart, in your thinking. Evelyn knew what this was like. She lived in the shadow of Alzheimer's and knew that she might get it and suffer in some of the same ways her mom did. And she didn't want to go into that experience. She preferred a different path. But the thing about Evelyn is though she spoke of this, she was human. You know, that's what human beings do. They speak of their fears. They speak of their concerns. They're transparent about those kinds of things. And it's how we get to know one another deeper. Though she spoke of it, she was not afraid of it. She knew her God would be with her. She knew she wouldn't go through it alone. She knew there would be spiritual power by the presence and help of her Savior. These death valleys are ones that each of us have gone through or will have to walk through in life. Sometimes they represent a terminal disease where it is, unless there's a divine healing and miracle of God, you understand this disease is going to take your life. My daughter's husband's mom went through that experience, diagnosed with glioblastoma. And a year and a, a, year and a half later, she passed away. That is living literally in the valley of the shadow of death, the glioblastoma is going to bring her to her grave. What is that experience like when you're given that kind of a diagnosis? Or a disease of decline and loss, like Alzheimer's. Or a death valley could represent you going through this with someone else. It's not just the person going through that difficulty. Mark and Eric and others can testify to this, but to, to watch your mom go through this. We as a church, hearing about Evelyn experience this. It's unsettling. It's unnerving. It can make us fearful. It can make us troubled. Can it, can it not? Sometimes... It's not just you going through it, but you walking with someone else who's going through it or living in the shadow of it. But 
the reality is, as we're at this service this afternoon, the reality is we're all going to die. Even though we try to forget this, by the busyness of our American life and all the things we need to do, and we often purposely want to forget this fact, this dreadful reality, that as we come into the house of mourning, we're reminded this afternoon that Evelyn's experience will one day be our experience. We are all going to die. And in that sense, no matter how old or young, we are living in the valley of the shadow of death. It may not be imminent, although we don't know, but it's there. It's a fact that is going to be true of each of us unless the Lord comes back before that. This service warms our heart to remember and honor Evelyn. And we're glad to do it. But we're here because she is gone and no longer with us. And it reminds us of our own death. And it's sobering. The Bible says, even though it's difficult and it's hard and it's sobering, the Bible said it's good though. It's good every now and then to go into the house of mourning. Because there we are reminded of our end. Why is that good? Why should we think about that from time to time? So that you, like Evelyn, can be ready for it. Can be ready and prepared to die. To look death in the face and to not be afraid knowing that death for you is going to usher you into the immediate, conscious, blissful, joyful, amazing presence of God who is the fountain of joy and the fountain of life. To know that if you die, you won't really die, but you shall live, Jesus said. You shall live with Him in glory. And there's no better place to be, Paul said, for me to depart is to be with Christ is far better than to be here. We don't know much about what it's like in heaven and in glory. But this we know, as testified to by the infallible Word of God, it's far better in Christ to be there than to be here. To prepare us and to help us be ready. Evelyn didn't prefer a small church without an organ. But God gave her one. Evelyn didn't want to have Alzheimer's, but she did. God doesn't promise that His people will never suffer and will not have to go through the River Jordan, will not have to die physically. But He does promise us this. He will always be with us. No matter what trial, no matter what declining disease, no matter how difficult our life gets, how forbearing and dark the valley of the shadow of death 
gets, He promises this, He'll be with us in that place, in that experience to strengthen us, to uphold us, to communicate in an amazing, mysterious, spiritual way to our souls. Evelyn, everything's okay. I've preached for decades in nursing home settings where outwardly you would come to those meetings and you would say, Pastor Adam, why, why are you doing this? Half these people are sleeping. These people can't communicate. They've had strokes. Others would say they can't understand you. And my response to them was this. How do you know what these dear people can understand and what they can't understand? How do you know what these people are experiencing spiritually and inwardly in places you cannot physically see with your own eyes? And I had hope as I preached to these poor people. Outwardly speaking, they looked poor. That God was able to get through to them. Minister to them. Even if I couldn't perceive that that was happening. That was my hope. I haven't seen Evelyn for years. And COVID stripped any of us, even family, from the ability of, of going to visit her and being with her and seeing her. But this was our hope as a church. That God could get past the front doors of the nursing home. God could get past all the Department of Health guidelines and policies. And God could spiritually be nearer to Evelyn than I could ever possibly hope to be. And so we prayed that He would be with her. And I know that He was. Communicating to her soul, it's okay, dear one. I am still with you. I am here. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And nothing will separate me from you. Not death, life, not angels or principalities, and not COVID. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't promise His people their best life now. He promises them their best life in the future. He doesn't promise to not bring you through difficulty and declining disease. But this promise is greater. He'll never leave us. And that's what David is testifying to and speaking of. He can be near to our souls and give us this sense of well-being. It's the difference, man. It's the difference. Life is so hard. Trials, it seems like... Who doesn't know trial? We've been through a worldwide pandemic. 
Everybody has lived in the valley of the shadow of death. This is a unique time in the history of the world. Every single person who's conscious and aware in the world is living in the fear of a little microscopic virus getting into your body and perhaps you'll be the one that it takes to their grave. These are fearful times. And here's the question that we have, those of us who know Christ and who have God walking with us even through this trial. How do people do this without God? How do you live your life without the Lord? Without someone to go to? Without someone to run to? Someone who can actually help you? Someone who can actually minister spiritually to your soul and give you a sense that everything's going to be okay even though you don't you don't see it. You can't see it. You can't understand it. Irrational well-being in the face of calamity, in the valley of the shadow of death. How do people do it? Well, the reality is they're not doing it. Alcoholism is on the rise. Drug addiction is on the rise. Broken families on the rise. The effects of this worldwide pandemic are being felt by, by our neighbors, by our friends, by people you know, maybe by you yourself. You can't do this without God. And here's the encouragement of Psalm 23. And if God can be David's shepherd, and if God was Evelyn's shepherd, which he was, he can be your shepherd too. He can be with you. All of your life in difficulty and in prosperity to provide for you, to bless you, to help you. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. A few things to keep in mind here. Why do we die? Well, it's just a fact of life and it's an evolutionary process. No, it is not. We shouldn't accept death as simply a fact of life. We die because of sin. How did death come into the world? By sin. It wasn't a part of God's creation. Death is bad, and everything God made was good. Therefore, death could not be a part of what God made, because everything God made was really good. Death wasn't a part of our experience at one point in the history of the world even though there were only two human beings who existed and who knew that, who felt that, and who experienced that. There was a time in the history of the world when people did not die. How did death become a part of our existence, human existence, because of sin? God said to Adam and Eve, this tree, I've given you all the trees of the garden, but this tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. He warned them, he threatened them, They didn't listen. Adam ate. And through that one act of rebellion against their supreme creator and ruler of the universe, they plunged the whole human race into sin because the Bible, like it or not, says that Adam was our representative. And what he did in the garden is what we did. And when he sinned, we sinned. That's how death came into the world. We all sin, the Bible testifies, and fall short of the glory of God. We're born this way. Death is the penalty. In other words, we suffer 
for sin. That's how death came into the world. It came into the world through one act of disobedience to God. Here's something else we read from the Bible. God did not just give us all over to die and go to hell and suffer the punishment for sin. He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world on a mission to save us from sin. Sinners like Evelyn, like me, and like you. How filled with joy Evelyn would be to know we are all here today. Her family is here. Her church family is here. All of us are here to listen and to be reminded of this message of hope that she believed in and that she proclaimed and that she so loved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that if we believe in Him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the key. That's the key to be forgiven of sin. That's the key to have your sin problem taken away and dealt with. That's the key to having everlasting life, which will be given in fullness when we die or when the Lord comes, and of which we have a taste of now. Life, spiritual and inward sense of well being that all is good because I'm right with God and my greatest problem, sin, has been removed. You see, sin not only results in physical death, but spiritual death. And the significance of the cross of Jesus is not just that He suffered physically, but He suffered spiritually in hell for all of our sins that we deserve. And He did that so that we could escape that punishment and go to heaven and be with Him so that we could be made right with God. My friends, Evelyn is not in hell today because Jesus went there for her. That's why she's in paradise. That's why she's in heaven. It's not a default that everyone when they die goes to a better place. That is the lie of the devil even though it may come through a very gentle, smiling pastor or priest at funerals. It's not true. People go to heaven like Evelyn because of what Jesus did for them. And how delighted she would be to know that we're all being reminded of that today and we're all hearing that. That you could be right with God and you could go to this glorious place through believing in Christ in facing the facts of your own sin problem, that you are not right with God, that you fall short of the glory of God, like me, and need a Savior, like me, whose name is Christ, like Evelyn, Jesus Christ, her Savior. This eternal life, thirdly, that Jesus promises, is given in full when He returns. And when we die, we get a fuller experience of it. But this eternal life is also what we get to experience now. And this is what David is speaking of in Psalm 23. 23, Going through life with God as your shepherd and not without Him. Through trials with God, not without Him. In Christ, Evelyn endured pain and decline. She suffered. There's no doubt about it. But God never left her to suffer 
alone. We could take great comfort from this fact that He was with her in special, meaningful ways when we couldn't be. And honestly, no matter how we think our presence and our visits would have ministered to her, the presence and visits of God mean more to a person in that situation. And in that sense, dear family, I know it probably pains you, but she didn't lose. She wasn't there alone. Her Savior was with her. And that's the best person who could be with her. I know sometimes it's hard for us to fathom that. How could it be better than having her son or her grandson? It is. Much better to have him with us than anyone else. Do not walk through this hard and difficult life without God, my friends. If Evelyn was here today, I know she would tell you that herself. You don't have to. I want you to be reminded of the words in Revelation 21 as we draw this to a close this afternoon. Because it's what Evelyn is experiencing right now. It's good for us to be reminded of what she's consciously aware of and experiencing. May God sear these words into our memory to remember them. I heard a loud voice from the throne, verse 3 of Revelation 21, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, the dwelling of God is among men, and He will dwell among them. And He shall be, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. I think about Evelyn's tears of anxious anticipation of Alzheimer's. Broke my heart when she would tell me that. She has no more pain of anticipation. No more tears of anticipation. No more tears from the pain she endured, not just through Alzheimer's, but through that major fall she had in 2016 and later in life. Broken bones, bruised body. No more tears from the loss of her husband and loved ones. None of that because the Lord is with her in heavenly bliss and paradise and every pain is gone. And she has all of it because of Jesus Christ. Eternal life in heaven are not given to everyone without distinction. Once again, I plead with you to embrace this truth and accept it. You go to heaven like Evelyn, to be with the Lord Jesus like Evelyn, to have an existence that's pain-free and full of bliss like Evelyn because of Jesus and Him alone. Believe in Him, my friends. Turn from your sins and your way of living. And ask Him to have mercy on you, to forgive you, to save you. And He will do that for you. Just like He did it for our sister. He'll be with you in this life, through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will most certainly be with Evelyn, and most importantly, Him in the next life. 
He takes the fear out of dying and brings comfort to those who believe as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Nothing else can do that for you. The bottle can't do it. Drugs can't do it. Whatever it is you're turning to can't save you from the difficulties, from the trial of your own sin, from the valley of the shadow of death. Only the Lord Jesus can. Well, may the Lord bless this meditation upon His Word and upon Evelyn's faith in Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll open up the floor for you dear people to share your memories of our sister with the rest of us. Heavenly Father, we thank You for every remembrance of Your promises, of Your assurance to be with us in the valley of the shadow of death, those who believe in Christ. We thank You and bless You and praise You that this was evidenced not only by the prophet and King David who lived thousands of years ago, but in the life of our dear sister Evelyn, that you indeed were with her when we could not be, when her family couldn't be. You were with her in special, special, spiritual, real ways. And now she is out of that valley and in the place of eternal bliss and joy. She's in the presence of her Savior, the fountain of life. She is filled with joy, with gladness, with delight, reunited to her friends in the faith of God before her. We can only imagine the celebration she's having with her friend Marianne and others. And we take delight in that thought, Lord. We pray that all of us would be ready for death as we come into this house of mourning that You would help us through it to be prepared for death through faith in Christ. Wouldn't it be a blessing to see some come to life through the death of our sister? Oh, how she would have it so. Please, we pray, be glorified in it. Continue to help those grieving. Comfort this family that we love. We've grown to love. Comfort Mark and Eric and Will and the rest of this family, Lord, that they might know the nearness of your help and of your power in their life as their mother did. Please draw near to them and help them. We ask in Christ's name as we come to this time of sharing that you be glorified even in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Your turn. Stand and speak up. Tell us some stories. Mark has to come up on a regular basis now because when Evelyn was here, she would come visit me at the house and bring me beer. You guys don't know that. She brought your pastor, who was your pastor back then, beer. It was beer that her son made. Most of it was good. (laughs) Some of it was, you know, never, never have one I didn't finish tell you that. That's just a waste, you know. So Mark will have to come up more regularly because his mom's not here to be the courier of the beer. Great. We do have, uh, we don't have chicken parm, but we've got Twinkies. 
It's probably fitting. I mean, she never brought chicken farm to the house, but she would bring Twinkies and goodies for the kids. Her and Marianne used to compete, you know, they used to have this little challenge of who could bring Pastor and his family the best things, you know. <laughs> that was a great sense of humor, both of those ladies. Really missed. Well, thank you so much for sharing, and of course, we'll continue to talk of this wonderful woman for years to come, and certainly can do that afterward as well, briefly. Close our time in prayer. Father, we thank you again for this time where we could be reminded of your dear promises of your holy word and of our sister, of her faith in Christ, of her love for her family, for her church. Indeed, her legacy, as was pointed out, we thank you for her legacy and for your saving grace in her life, the power of God, to save her from sins, power and guilt. And we thank you that you've done that for all of us who called upon Christ and pray that would be the result of our gathering, that some would come to faith, Lord, and come to know this Savior whom she knew and loved. And we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to be with the family as they as they mourn her not being here and be with all of us, give us comfort and grace. Bless our continued time as we bring this service to a close. In Jesus' name, amen.